listen to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. They're wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still gotta keep the world together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gon' do it like, like us? Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah. Hello, 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 and thank you for joining us on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Cree Robertson, alongside our sound and extraordinaire, Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And we've returned to the studio for episode 427. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, what's going on? Yes, sir, yes, sir. So what you been up to this week? Uh, this week, I got to um, I got to catch up on um, the the latest season of um, Mushoku Tensei. Nice. And um, uh, it, it aired a couple of seasons back, but I uh, got to see that in retrospect. So that was pretty good. Nice. Um, I also picked up Disgaea 7, and I've been having a lot of fun playing that. So nice. that's been pretty fun, too. Yeah, and uh, Nippon Ichi? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nippon Ichi Software. They make some <clears throat> dope games. Yeah, man. It's an... I, I had skipped this guy as six because they, they had made the jump to 3D and their models looked terrible. <laughs> and I was just like, man, you guys aren't even trying. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna pay for this, you feel me? Yeah, don't frustrate yourself. But the after seeing the um the the after seeing the, the new one, I decided to check check it check it out and it seemed to be quite a return to form, man. So right. I'm I've been enjoying it a lot. It's a lot of the same as far as like how the the setup for the the power leveling system goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they level up way above a hundred on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. level ten thousand essentially is the max <laughs> level. So, okay, they stepped it up. And it's not even like, and that's not even in theory the max level because of the reincarnation system. Yeah, that's not even your final form. Not at all, bro. Because the way the game works is like. Um, you can reincarnate your characters using mana. So, like, there's a secondary currency called mana that's used for basically all of your character power-up needs. And you can reincarnate your character for super cheap and then spend a bunch of money to... a bunch of mana to allocate extra starting points, essentially, into into your base stats. And... Every time you reincarnate, it it compresses your stats. So, yeah, yeah. You basically want to wait to go as high as you can and then reincarnate the character so it'll take your, like, level 1,000 stats and compress <laughs> them down to your level 1 character. And then your, your, um, then your character starts scaling off of those new stats. So Yo, that's crazy. It's, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. But yeah, the, I think the highest I've ever gotten in any disguise game was like somewhere around two thousand five hundred. It gets, Damn. it gets, it's it's kind of a grind. But there's like really nerdy and very smart ways to go about doing it. But mm-hmm. it's just like, man, that that's it's a step above, man. The it's power a step fantasy above is very me. real. Yeah, I realize also that there's like um. There's certain tedious aspects of games that I realize that I'm just never going to participate in mm. because, like, I tried shiny hunting once in a Pokemon game. And, Ooh, that one takes some time. And, and I was like, you know what, man? It's ain't for me, bro. Yeah. It's ain't for me. The only way I ever really um did, like, dedicated shiny hunting was when I was breeding eggs. But, like, hunting for shinies? Oof, yeah, yeah. That is, like, in the wild, that's a rough one. Yeah, I mean, they, they even have a lot of ways to make it better, but still, it's just like, I'm not really with that tedious over and over again in the small-ass yeah, chances. I think that was I'm one of my, on my first experiences was, like, 
yo, my guy, you got a 0.05% chance. You're chasing it? I was like, yeah, yeah. The answer's no. No, I'm not. Especially because the niggas be hoeing you and they have, Bro. like, the shinies be uglier than the regular fucking color palette. It's rare that the shinies actually be kind of pop. You feel me? We're like, man, y'all don't even want me to do this shit. And then shit, you get bro. a shiny with a bad nature, bad IVs, and you're just like, yo, I can't even use this Pokemon. <laughs> exactly. I can't even use this thing. Exactly. That's yeah, definitely not heartbreaking. Go. But um, but it, it it's been pretty cool. I like the uh the main character. The setting in this one, the demon world, is like heavily influenced by the Edo period in Japan. Okay. And it's sort of like um uh re going on a quest to reunite all the um the 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 major weapons of like the you know the the top generals of the time. So like the sword, the spear, the bow, the I believe there's a claw and an axe in there somewhere too. So Do you have the, a meteor hammer? <laughs> <laughs> in the regular in the regular um uh, uh weapon list, I'm sure. But that's been pretty cool. The main character is this dude named Yuri and he's a pretty he's pretty dope, man. He's like a little uh 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 he, his weird gimmick is that he's allergic to empathy. Oh, so, he's allergic to it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, if he starts doing nice shit, he literally starts coughing up blood if wow. people are being too empathetic around him and shit. But he's, what's really funny is, like, he's still a, a good guy, so he he disguises all his... his to get around his, his uh, allergies, he just charges people for... for <laughs> Gross um, amounts of money. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So, and then the other main character is this girl who's of mysterious origins. I haven't gotten to the part where they tell you exactly who she is, but she's a, a, a Yamato-era otaku, and she really wants to go and check out all that shit because she heard about the, all the samurais, how, how honorable they are, and she wants to go out there and see it. Basically like a, a naive tourist with a heart of gold type shit okay and so the two of them end up uh smacking together and they're trying to um unite to you know clean up the streets type shit you know what i'm saying clean up the clean demon up the world streets. and free it from all the 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 greedy and evil shoguns sounds cool yeah it's been, it's been pretty fun so far i'm fucking with this one like does it still have a lot of the goofy rhetoric back and forth 100 percent, 100 percent. like um one of the one of the 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 main characters quirks the girl who um who who she's the rich one who's the 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 samurai otaku her her shtick is that um she messes up the the phrasing and common sayings and shit <laughs> so she'll be like it ain't no no sense crying over slipped silk and shit like that <laughs> nice the localization seems like it's still on point yeah and um yeah and it's still the same like very irreverent humor and um yeah but but it's it's been pretty it's been pretty enjoyable so far i'm looking forward i they also dropped a couple new classes so that that was pretty cool they have um they redesigned the maid class and she sort of has like a more demon flair to her um they added this new class called the psychic which is super fresh it's this um Sort of designed like um I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Tanya the Evil. Mm, it sounds familiar, but I can't draw on it right now. It's the um it, so the uniform is basically like the the German uh, um the German army uniform mm -hmm. with the with the helmets and shit. It's like a, a it's like a kid with um in one of those uniforms with the hat and shorts on and the cape, 
and his whole shtick is like telekinetic powers and he uses he runs off it and what's really dope is his passive is that anything he hits he lowers all their stats by 10 percent, and that shit stacks so that's a really dope new class that they added in offensive debuffers are nice very fucking cool they also added um a robot class apparently she debuted in in a six but i didn't Mm. play that one but they have a uh i guess it's the it's like a jack of all trades master of none class. She starts mm-hmm. off super um, uh, uh, average as far as her her stats goes, but you can th- tailor make her for whatever you want, and that's like one of the best units in the game. So it's cool to have like a little like a mech girl essentially just um, fucking enemies up. Her one of her best abilities is that hits like the entire field Whoa. is she catches a big ass. She basically drops a cluster bomb on the entire battlefield. And her passive is that every enemy for enemy every enemy hits, she increases uh the amount of damage she deals. And then she gets additional passives, like one was really cool called the three laws, where your um AoE abilities no longer hit your at- allies. So I thought that nice. was pretty cool. Um she also gets um the same thing with the damage except with crit so the more enemies she hits the um uh, the more enemies she hits in a single attack the it increases her crit chance so yeah yeah the 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 robot robot girl is pretty fucking dope there's also um a maiko which i haven't unlocked yet that one is uh apparently the rework of the maid class but with more a more demon flair to it and think there was another class yet that i still haven't unlocked so um, i'm looking for and they also added some new monsters they added a beholder there you got a floating eye now so i'm looking forward to checking that one out of course i got to check the um the standard dragons yeah and the the big gimmick in this one is jumbify Mm -hmm. and what that is you basically power rangers you know i'm saying grow big and kaiju fight Nice Sentai monsters. Yes, yeah, so you and um different characters they get different um buffs when they when they go big and they affect the entire battlefields friends and foe alike, which is a gift and a curse. Yeah. Because one of my favorite ones, the um the uh the robot girl, when she grows big, she gains an extra attack and makes it so that everybody on the field gets an extra attack. So. Wow. You can, Damn, that yeah. sounds really powerful. Yeah, it's really nice. You can do some, you can do some pretty sick burst damage with that combo. So I'm looking forward to checking out some of the other different combos. And even in addition to that, they also have like um, the limit break system. Mm. So all those legendary weapons I mentioned, they are each set to like specific main characters, and that allows them to do like a hell mode where they're power up using those weapons and do all kinds of dope shit so i I do like the new gimmicks they added to this one they definitely make combat they definitely spice up the combat and make something that's familiar also still new and exciting you know what i'm saying nice do they still have the monster taming and all that stuff they that's i haven't encountered that yet see they had the cool thing in the past where um when you had monsters, you could also, like, fuse them together where the yeah. monster would become your weapon and shit like that. But I haven't seen that mechanic in the game yet. I don't know mm. if I'm just not far enough or if they removed it for this game. I hope it's like still in there. They gave a lot of there. stuff in there. It's like you got plenty to go with. So Yeah, they might have removed that in favor of the Jumbify gimmick. So we'll see. Because I, like, as you were mentioning, I was actually thinking about it because 
I was think wondering what the what the new combinations would be like. Yo, the the new um, the I wonder what the uh, what do they used to call that shit? I forget what the, what they used to call it. Monsterizing, I think, is what they used mm. to call it. When you monsterize the uh, one of the monsters into a specific type of weapon, depending on what what the monster was. So I'm curious as how the eye would work. That would probably have some sick debuffs on it. Yeah, well, I mean that that is the the trope of the the beholder. Yeah, so that that so far so so far so good, man. I'm I'm I can't wait to get into the um the, the post game for when shit gets really ridiculous. Oh, they also mm-hmm. removed something else that used to be in there that I haven't seen just yet, which is in in previous games when you lift people, you can yeah, tower stack yoko. them and attack people, and they even made it so that you can have unique attacks with the tower, so mm-hmm. you can jump rope or use the tower as a hammer or different types of shit like that but so far none of that you can still attack mm. people in the tower and throw them around to cover huge distances but when you choose to attack only the person on the bottom attacks okay and the the, the whole stack doesn't share the experience and, and it really threw me off the first couple times i did i was like it was a pretty what? main mechanic before. yeah yeah it, it, it was pretty huge before so i mean but we'll see i mean the stuff they added in place of that, if they did remove it, it is so far so good. It's very, very fun. I was going to say, it sounds like they there's a lot of mechanics that I didn't... And I I haven't played a Disguise game since 3. So, you know, I mean, I'm not totally current with the with the game style. But, yeah, it seems like what they've added in is pretty substantial. Yeah, yeah. The Jumbo-Fi system, that alone is pretty cool. And the the it's like um you get a rage meter that and you dual split it between the 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 hell mode and the the jumbify meter and so you can either do both or you can do them consecutively which i just discovered recently i thought it was just like um i thought it was like dynamaxing in pokemon where you did yeah. it like once and it was done and for it, the battle yeah, but nope as long as you have the bar for it as soon as you're out of uh, giant mode you just hop back into giant mode and start double smashing people <laughs> and what's really cool is like you get huge aoe attacks with um when you're in the, the the giant form, downside to that is I found out it, like any and any and anybody can't do that. You need someone yeah. who's actually focused on melee damage. Because I tried, I was like, oh man, that's a really good way to get a lot of experience really quick. So let me jumbify my um my mage because she's right at the cusp and she's right about to get some new new abilities. Nigga, she jumbified and did like ten percent damage oh, on her fucking hit. I was like. Not it. That's no, not, it. <laughs> not at all. And you can't use your special abilities in when you're jumbified either. Maybe uh, you can later, because there's um, you know the the, the game they introduced the, the 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 squads where you can organize squads mm-hmm. and there's a jumbify squad that adds extra gives you extra stats and different abilities as you power it up. Ooh. So I'm wondering what one of some of the later ones are. Because they get kind of expensive to power up, but so far it's been pretty fun, man. I gotta see what the um what what post game looks like because that's when the real difficulty yeah, shows itself this guy in the game. A lot of post game, like the, yeah. the storyline is actually I think it, it, it's definitely uh, weighted more towards the the, the post game than the, the yeah, story mode. Hundred percent. It's like the story mode is just like, hey, man. We're just giving you a little bit of background. It's like world building is yeah. pretty much what it is. It's like, and then once the world is open, it's like, all right, have at it. Now there's actually in this one, there's actually PvP. I'm not even. Oh really? I'm not even going to 
I'm not even gonna enable that function at <laughs> all. Because you know this tryhard. I shudder to think waiting. how strong some of those people's online characters are, given that this guy a power scaling system. Like, nah, bro. Yeah. Like, man. remember I told you, like, you can literally go to max level nine 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 nine, reincarnate, compress those stats, and then do it again. Yeah. Yeah. As much as you want. Yeah. Now nah, I'm good. And there's also like um the item world, but they they added the new f- this new function where um. You can also reincarnate the item and get a better, get it to kind of evolve into a better version too. Oh. Uh, uh, that's like as a chance thing. So that they're, they have, they're introducing new ways to get more powerful. So I'm glad that they decided to try a lot of new shit. I mean, it's a seventh iteration. I yeah. always appreciate it when, when they, when an old dog learns some new tricks. Yeah, man. And seven, man, that's, that's a, that's a feat. You know what I mean? Hell to keep yeah. the game successful and entertaining for seven, yeah. seven iterations. Yeah. Like, I've been playing Disgaea since PlayStation 1. <laughs> yeah. Feel me? And, and I'm really glad. It's one of the few game game franchises. Well, then again, yeah, there is no game franchises that's that state said because, like I said, I skipped six. Feel yeah. me? They're, may, I don't know. May, maybe I was too harsh on them, and then, you know, they were just trying a new visual direction and mm-hmm. it just didn't quite pan out whatever the case may be but just looking at 6 made me not want to play it and I did not even look into it further I was just like those those sprites are super ugly <laughs> and seeing as to how they did not stay with it probably yeah, means yeah. that it's too hot <laughs> yeah I'm glad they went back to the more like slim down sprites man and it's like um it, it's more 3D and just better looking they're not sprites at all they're the three 3d models. models yeah and and it's much better art direction they like definitely started the, out as sprites not yeah. no more <laughs> they haven't been sprites for i guess you know two I mean? games now it, it's not perfect but absolutely several steps in the right direction like you know what I'm saying? but so far so good i'm really enjoying I mean, it if 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 they were just making games in the same graphical style as what they did with um star ocean uh r yeah, I wouldn't even be mad. I wouldn't be mad. I would take a. I wouldn't even be mad. Yo, you can give me a whole modern game series in that art style. I'll be good money. Or yeah. like Chained Echoes. Like I really yeah. like Chained Echoes' style because they they use like like uh it's like high res pixel art. It's man. super high res. That's you know the what funny mean? part is like yo the pixels. Yo, they got mad pixels. Yeah, in the pixel they did art a super good job with their art direction. I really like the the the. Art style of Chain Deck. Like looking at like a Final Fantasy VI <laughs> pixel character versus like some of the modern day pixel characters, you're like, yo, there's <laughs> yo, like what 10 is times that? more pixels. It's like, yeah, you got to squint to like make out the shapes. It's like, it's funny. It's like going back and playing like the old Final Fantasy VII and looking at Square. Um, oh, boy, oh, boy. Cloud's uh, 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 cube fists. Bro, yo, cube big fist. ass cube fists, bro. <laughs> yo. Yeah, now nah, Final Fantasy VII is one that I very frequently look past the graphical style when I revisit it. But boy, that everything else was pretty much will uh stands the test of time except those graphics. Yeah. Them, yeah. Even though ah man, but it's still those, classic um, though. It's those pre-rendered good. backgrounds though were Nega. really good. Yeah, Midgar looks good. still looks amazing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um I think a lot about the uh, when you're running across the um what is it, Swamp of Despair when you have to fight the Midgar Zolum? Yeah. That that area just so like for a swamp that's dark looks really beautiful because of the pre-rendered backgrounds that they use but yeah <laughs> the the actual moving models 
not so detailed. And it's funny because I actually did not notice this when I first yeah. played the game. Yeah. But yeah, when you see those those models on the pre-renders, it's like, oh man, this is a stark just juxtaposition of art styles for sure. But um, feel me, your eyes, your the the resolution of your eyes and brain upgraded, <laughs> so now you can so. see the difference. But yeah, dude, that's what's up. That's what's up. I'm glad that the Sky of Seven is actually is keeping up pace. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good year for, I mean, 2024 is starting out really strong with the games, in my opinion. Um, they just had a state of play with PlayStation, where they, they, they announced some really interesting stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, Tekken 8 just dropped, which, mm-hmm. after you're, uh, after we, we, we check out the anime you've been watching, definitely, I've been watching a lot of Tekken 8 recently, like, it's, the game looks beautiful. But yeah, um, you said you caught up with uh with an anime that you were 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 uh yeah um with Shoko Tensei yes. the um jobless reincarnation yes that's um that one is um one of the one of the isekais from that just got got put on uh that just got animated maybe like two three years ago mm-hmm. and it's really 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 good like th- that one is really really exemplifies the concept of like isekai the isekai genre is sort of like bread in that mm. in simple its simplicity gives way to like a lot of amazing different variations yeah. you know what i mean and this is one of those ones that's really balanced as far as like world building like fantasy world building um slice of life uh uh pro sort of like um figuring out the main character's problems like the like uh the main character's redemption redemption arc and then amazing fantasy fights and like lo- world lore and all kinds of shit like that so you know that one that one the, the the main character he was the really really he was like the the neat which is which or or, or a shut-in a hikikomori he was the he was a shut-in Basically, it, it, that's um, a classification of young Japanese people who have decided to shut themselves away from society for a ver- variety Me of is reasons. an acronym for something. Yes, um, not employ- employed, not in employment, education, or training. training. Yeah. And um, so this dude, uh, he was bullied in school, the height of which they... Tied him up, stripped him naked, and tied him up on the um Can you play uh, roof of of his uh uh the roof of his school, and you know they were like pointing and laughing and making fun of his dick, and he was left up there for a while, and so after that he pretty much shut down inside and like stayed him. away from people. Yeah, got yeah. it a little. You know what I mean? And he eventually. You know what I'm saying? Because of that regression from society and not dealing with that, he it eventually got really worse until, you know, he was trapped that way for a while. And the one time he goes out to to do some shit, you know, he saves a young lady, good for him, but then Truckun took my nigga out. Trucku, no! You know what I'm saying? Took my nigga out, bro. Bro, somebody's <laughs> gotta do an isekai about Truckun, bro. I think it's a menace, bro. And like, do, do like a multiversal joint where like all the Truckuns <laughs> gotta come back and deal and have to fucking oh, answer man. for the fact that they've killed so many people, bro. Nah, what's really dope is like, um, 
uh, uh, the meme that actually birthed that was the, the April Fool's joke where someone actually did a full-on comic of that shit. And the lore yeah. is like there was a there was a guy that works for like an isekai recruitment company <laughs> where they list off the qualities they need in a hero and he goes, finds them. Wow. And he stalks a bunch of Japanese kids and, and he's like, no, over. not that one, not that one. Yup, that one. And he waits till they're crossing the street and takes them out. Bro, that's a savage story. And then he hops out of the car, crosses them off the list and shit. Bro, he's like the it's like the 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 trope of the man. He's like Yo. the man. Yeah, you know I mean, he's got a list of names that's coming for you. Absolutely, he's a fucking menace, bro. That's hilarious. Bro. But um, in this one, like a, a huge portion of the story is is set on his redemption, right? So mm-hmm. he reincarnates into the world, and Rudius is is um, he starts life with like some decent parents. His mom is pretty cool, but his dad is a scumbag. But um, <laughs> just a warning for anyone who might want to check out Mushek with Tensei. The main character is a pervert and like egregiously so sometimes it gets better. But in the beginning, it starts really bad. Yeah, I do remember that. But, um, you know, uh, uh, it actually the, the season that I'm on currently is right after Turning Point 2. OK. Now, for reference. Um, the the turning point. Uh, uh, Mushoku Tensei is originally a light novel, mm-hmm. and I guess the turning points are the chapter names, but it's also the episode titles, and they both s- represent not only a significant turning point in Rudius's life, but also a turning point in the actual world itself. Like these mm-hmm. are actual um points. Excuse me. These are actually points in which the um uh uh, uh the world's future sort of deviates, mm-hmm. right? So see what what people don't know, what they haven't gotten to animate animated yet, is that um there's this character in the world named Dragon God Orsted, right? And Mr. Dragon God Orsted, he's got two curses on him placed on him by his Dragon God Pops when he was dying. The first one makes him live in a three hundred year loop. And wow. during that time, he has to find and kill the human god. If he fails to do so, he's reborn back at the start of the loop with all his memories intact. And by the time we meet him, the audience meets him and Rudius meets him in Turning Point 2, he had, he's lived like over 100 loops. So he knows like just about everybody in the world and shit like that. And... um. <laughs> The other curse that he has is that every being in the world who looks on him is afraid of him and either fear, fears him or distrusts him. And so... I mean, that's just kind of... That could just happen, though. You know <laughs> what Dragon Lord. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's two very, very heavy curses. But man, my man's Orsted. He, he, he's got, he ain't got no time for no bullshit. You know what I'm saying? He's got to kill the Dragon God. And he's got to do it, the human god, and he's got to get that shit done. And so in Turning Point 2, Rydius had just um, helped out his party and navigated the majority of the demon continent, and he's making it back home after the big mana disaster, which was Turning Point 1. And then they run into Orsted and, like, his traveling companion. And, like, yo, just to hammer home the point about Orsted and this curse— Yo, their pack mule, as soon as it sees Orsted, like, maybe, maybe, like, 150 feet away, this shit just goes crazy and just 
runs and jumps off the cliffs, the cliff to its doom, bro. Damn. It's just like, nope, I want no part of that, bro. I'll take these rocks over that nigga any day. But at that point, he ends up, um, uh, uh, uh they end up, Dragon God Orsted, he just sort of walks up and the rest of Rudy's party, they're super, super cautious of him. They're just like, Rudyard, who's um who's like the 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 experienced warrior who's been guiding them this whole time he's just like yo don't move don't say nothing to this nigga just look forward just keep just keep going and maybe we'll make it out of this shit alive right but rudy is who's completely unaffected by that curse just seems like oh this is it's a quiet dude just walking down the road i don't know why everybody's still tripping unaffected by draconic presence you feel me not at all you know what i'm saying he, he, he auto auto passes all the roles nice. and then um and so uh, uh, Orsted sort of ch- chops it up with Rudy for a second, and he's like, oh, who the fuck are you? I, I don't recognize you. I recognize them two people. That's Eris, and that's fucking Rudyard. And he's like, but who are you? And he was like, oh, I'm Rudy's Grey Rat. And he was like, Grey Rat? And he was like, oh, yeah, they did have a son, but the son usually dies in the womb. And he was like, oh, I didn't mm. know they survived. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right. Oh, so he was born into the body of somebody who was supposed to die? Yes. Rudius's soul was, or after the kid died, Rudius's soul was transferred into the body. Same same difference, but yeah. I don't think they ever explicitly state which. But um, but after that, like, or, 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 Orsted, Dragon God Orsted just kind of lets it slide, but then stops for a second and sort of realizes, wait a minute, this nigga ain't shook. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just, like, just off the top of it now— the the Dragon God Orsted, his whole thing with finding the man god, the the main way he does that is by fighting the apostles of yeah. the man god. Yeah. And those are basically people who are influenced by the man god in their dreams and shit like that. So he just asked Rudius, he was like, Hey yo, you know about the man god? And Rudius the, the man god had been visiting Rudius in his dreams ever since turning point one. And Rudius had been very wary of him and didn't quite trust him. So the fact that Orpheus kind of asked him about it, he casually opened it up. And before my nigga could even finish the affirmative, fucking Orsted was on him, son. And, like, Richard and Eris barely stopped him for, like, 15 seconds. And, like, <laughs> another 30 seconds, and then Rudy was dead. And then it was the traveling companion that actually calmed fucking um, Orsted down, and he ended up reviving Rudy. But that encounter changed like everybody except for Richard. Richard, he he handled it in stride, but Eris, like that shit broke her world because she had been um relying on Rudy this entire time, even though she's older than him. Like Rudy was her tutor. Mm-hmm. She learned like her writing and fucking manners, how to fight, all kinds of shit from him. And she felt like she was completely useless because when she went in with the kill shot with the sword, or as they described the sh- the sword by the blade and just with his fingers and just threw her back off in the, in the same motion, just threw her into a wall and shit. So her entire world was shattered. And the same thing with Rudy. He was just like, yo, this nigga's this dangerous in the world? Like, yo, I need to step my fucking game up. I thought I was, I thought I was hot shit, essentially. Not and, so um, so And after that, the two of them did some trauma bonding. And then afterwards, Ares, you know what I'm saying, realized some shit about herself, and she pretty much just left with a note that said, like, we're not compatible right now. Oh shit. Later. Eris like she just drops that off and drops that node off, cuts off her hair and like leaves in the middle of the night to start her training arc. 
And Rudy, you know, coming from that that completely maladjusted person mm-hmm. and going from that really, really happy moment in life, oh, me and that really tragic moment to the really happy moment, and then just, like, just waking up to that note and just not knowing what happened. And, of course, he just... Yeah, that's kind of not You know what I mean? Well. And he just goes to the, like, oh, man, she thought she thinks I'm fucking whack and, you know, she don't want shit to do with me. And, uh, she just fucking left. And so he's... So this season starts pretty much at that point and it's actually called the depressed magician arc and it's him going about and basically trying to figure out the next uh, actually at this point he's trying to find his mother um because the, the he had found his after the teleportation incident he had found his sisters and his um stepmother and his dad but his mother was still missing so He's that he's just bumming around the land, do, uh, uh, adventuring with other parties, and just battling this depression while also trying to find information about his mother while also taking quests and shit. So, it's it's pretty cool. It's like it's it's kind of slow at some points because that you know he's going through a lot, but there is there is a lot of fights and there's some man there's there's some tragic shit that happens in that one too like. Mushoku Tensei is one of those worlds where it's just like, oh, it's a hard mo, it's a hardcore adventure, bro. Like you die, you die, my nigga. Yeah. So like, not everybody he adventures with like manages to live through the day and shit. But, um, it it was really dope. He ended up making through that and actually went back to, um, a magic magic academy. And um, while studying magic and shit, he's actually. He met up with the girl that was traveling with Orsted, and turns out she's actually someone that was summoned from his world. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's actually the same girl that she had saved, like, um, the same girl that um, Rudy had saved back when he was all chubby and shit before yeah. Truck Hunt got him. She ended up being summoned to that world for some reason, which hasn't been explained in the in the the story yet. It's in, in the light novel they they've gotten to that part already, but. In the anime, it's still sort of a mystery what she's doing, but she she definitely tells them like, yeah, the 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 mana disaster was most likely a result of whatever summoned her there. That was like the backlash of it. So, yeah, the, I mean, I ended up like I I really like the story so much. Like, I ended up watch, reading the manga, so I'm a little bit farther. I've actually just made it to turning point three. Which is where Rudy just got the letter that they found out where his mother is, but they're having trouble. Um, they're having trouble, so they need my nigga's help, bro. You know what I'm That's saying? It? That's it. <laughs> they need your help, bro. But Come through, bro. But nah, it, it's really dope. The animation is fucking sick. They always they they spare no expense for the Mushoku Tensei budget. Um, the story is heavy. Thankfully, the perviness is it's down. It's it's just like five percent, you know what I'm saying? Okay. It's 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 still there, and some parts really know the fuck out of me. But it's just, but it, thankfully, it's just a gag that's not getting as much time as it did in the earlier seasons. Yeah, I don't really like that trope as much. Only time I saw it done really entertainingly uh, was um, Magi. <laughs> I thought that Magi. Magi was. Super uh, not not Aladdin. Um Alibaba? Alibaba. Alibaba's pervitus I thought was done <laughs> relatively well. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, Rudy's just too busy to really engage <laughs> to in, in a lot of perviness. You know what I'm saying? So th- that was really good. But you did get to meet um, Body Gotti, who is a demon, who's the 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 demon husband of Kirishika, which is the the tiny little demon who gave Rudius one of her eyes. So he ended up having a duel with that dude in the middle of school, and then subsequently winning and now the entire school is like yo don't go nowhere near this nigga bro it's <laughs> bad news said but nah, what's up. It, it, it's uh Mushoku is super cool especially because Rudius is maturing so the worst parts of the show are like where the worst parts of his personality are behind you by the time you get to like um, season two and shit. So that's good, I, and I don't mind that as much. Like a, a character flaw doesn't kill a show for me usually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as long as it's as long as it's written well, that's dope. That's yeah. what's up, man. I've been getting heavy into the the Tekken this week. That was I spent a good amount of time watching that just because it was it, it's recently released. And um, boy, man, you want to talk about games that are really pushing their formula forward? Yo, I had. I definitely did not expect fighting games to be carrying video game progression the way they have. <laughs> because there's a lot of there's a lot of good games, don't get me wrong, but not a lot of games are pushing their genres format. It's not, you know, you 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 get us like a solid uh uh, you know, role-playing game or anything of that nature, but like it's rare you get like Armored Core 6 where you're pushing the yeah. genre of mech uh games or like um uh, an Elden Ring, which ironically is another FromSoft game that's pushing the genre <laughs> of, of um, uh, yeah, Souls-like. I, I, I think it's the underdog theory, man. I think it's like those games, like I, especially with Street Fighter, I think yep. Street yeah. Fighter was struggling so much with a lot of backlash in 5, and that's why they fought so hard. And especially because they were trying a business model that it didn't look like like especially when it first started out with with the super long um um seasons and the yeah. slow drip of characters and the slow drip of updates and then and the different versions advertisements you know oh my goodness so the, i i think they were going through that time and they were really at risk of losing people and then covid came right in the middle of that and all of their main like tournaments and stuff like that, yeah, it really, yep. The problem was is that they didn't have good net code for online, yeah, and so the in person tournament shutting down really, really hurt the community. Yes, and 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 so it looks like Street Fighter Six. They they really was like, yo, we gotta fucking do something because mm-hmm. we, we if we dip too far below that line, we just might lose the core people who are actually who have been supporting this whole time or and they, it looks they like grow they, they really need to go beyond just the core group you know that's what I mean? true like, yes to hook core new fighting people game that's people true will keep on will, will probably stick around <coughs> you know what i mean because they're they're adults usually they needed to get a younger crowd they needed to broaden yes fighting they need they needed they to missing. compete with the fortnites mm-hmm. and yeah. the shooters and the the sports games mm-hmm. they like the 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 Fighting games have been falling out of conversation in comparison to those other genres, and I, and it looks like they just weren't hitting with young kids. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, it, it's so rare for me to see somebody under eighteen talk about a fighting game. Very true, very, man. And not to say that there, because there's true. actually some professionals. I think there's like a sixteen-year-old, um, Ender Endwalker, 
was a was a really young um competitor. Yeah, um, he was punk started when the, he was the, young. The system, but right, like this last year, you don't you, you see tons of young Fortnite content creators. You don't mm-hmm. see a lot of young um uh, fighting game uh, pros. So yeah, I think that, that you're right. They needed to they needed to expand that audience. They you know what I'm saying? To. And they fixed the two things. And it caused that, that really little needed. ripple effect. Like like mm-hmm. even he, it's like not only Street Fighter but also Mortal Kombat One was trying a lot of new shit. Now yeah. Tekken Eight is trying a lot of new shit. Yo Tekken Eight, yo my guy. Well, we're about to get into that, but one of the just to to reprise what you were just saying, um, it was the two things that they needed. Matchmaking was trash. <laughs> and matchmaking they had not really figured it out in five and as i just said the net code the mm-hmm. latency if you were playing yes with, with anybody who wasn't in your region was just terrible and so they they managed to really rectify a lot of that and covid so, forced them to take a hard look at a problem that they were probably ignoring and mm-hmm. thinking that they could keep on the back burner think, yes i absolutely feel like it was something that they thought that they didn't need to yep. a- a- address but then realized like nope it's gonna be <laughs> at our detriment if we don't address yep. it yep and god so, yeah. forbid something happens you can't mm-hmm. have in-person tournaments and now everybody's relying online and the problem just gets magnified for the world to see. And it's hard to because, you know, you know what else they run into that's that's really kind of like messed up is like regional conflict. Because like a mm-hmm. lot of Pakistani players, a lot of Middle Eastern players are super, super good. You yeah. know what I mean? And they have super strong communities. But Ours because of regional conflict, you just can't do what you do in like America where... You could have a a PlayStation that has fighting game tournaments every week, like Games Realms and Burbank. You know what I mean? Like, you can't do that in some places. And without that, really hard to keep the community strong in different regions. Yeah. And um, yeah, Street Fighter has always been a world, you know, a global type of game. Like they've always really been popular. South America, um, um, Europe, like. They've, they've had a, a really strong player base around the world for pretty much as long as I can remember, man. They've been a staple. So, yeah, definitely stepping that up was, was huge for them. And um, and so Tekken 8 now, man, I mean, I've, I've gone at length about the, the, the great things that Street Fighter Six had, had done um, when it released. But Tekken 8, man, let me tell you, they have a replay system in Tekken 8 that is absurd. Hmm. It is absurd. Your replay, so they give you a replay after every uh, match that you finish. Not only can you replay the match, but during the replays, it will annotate your mistakes and say, you missed this. You could have countered with this. Oh, you didn't extend this combo optimally. You could have used this. And then you can stop, take control of either character, and try out the things that they're telling you. I mean... Yo, the training aspect of the replays is next level. And then just yeah, that smart. kind of that kind of interaction with the replay is it's I've never seen that in any game before. Yeah. You know, that'll, that'll build the the the, the skill ceiling of your game. It super really high. helped expand the lab because you know, they had training mode, which of course has a thousand extra options now. You know, there's just so much you can do in training mode, which um, I think Soul Calibur really kind of pioneered that back in the day. Like Soul Calibur had the first training mode where I was like, oh, I can actually learn this game. I can actually <laughs> learn this game without playing with another person for a while. And that's actually why I was decent at Soul Calibur. It's one of the only fighting games that 
you know, I could ever really get into. And so, yeah, the replay system, in terms of onboarding new players, in terms of just helping you refine skills, is is next level. Like, the the part where it was giving recommendations, I thought was like, yo, that's that's super helpful because it's yeah. easy to see where your mistake is. It's hard to learn what the answer to your mistake was. And so, yeah, and it's funny. I could tell people are going to start like, hey, hey, send me that replay. I'll show you what you did wrong. This wasn't an unwinnable position for you. Like, people have been talking <laughs> a lot of shit. Like, nah, B, these replays is going to get a lot of people out there that are that are just complainers right out the paint because people are going to be able to stop and see, like, no, 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 I can literally show you where you messed up type of thing. So, yeah, dude, the replay system is awesome. They have a new mechanic called Heat, which I think was really well implemented. It's a bar that I think you get once per match. Not not round, but once per match. So once you burn it, your heat's gone. But it gives you a lot of... It's it's similar to Drive Rush in that it will alter the frames of your moves while you're in it. But um, it lasts for longer and you burn it. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like Drive Impact just uses some bars and then... You know, it's not an ongoing thing. It's kind of like X Factor from Marvel. Yeah, NBC. I feel like that they, they, that might have been a little bit of inspiration from that. Um, and so yeah, it <clears throat> it adds whole new dynamics to the game, and it can also act as a catch uh, as a catch up mechanic because like say you're down you know two zero in a three three match set, you could you know right before you go out you could burn heat try to get a get get a round in you know what I mean to change the momentum, and so yeah the heat mechanic is super dope. Um, you know, shout out to Lil Majin. I've been watching him mainly um, as he fucking dominates with King. Yeah. King is such a fucking entertaining character to watch. Imagine if Zangief wasn't pigeonholed by moves. <laughs> because, like, I watch a lot of Zangief and Street Fighter because there's a lot of Street Fighter characters I just don't find entertaining to watch, like Luke and Jury. Um, but, like, I'll always watch a Zangief match. I'll always watch a Cammy match. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll always watch a JP match. Um, Blanca... Like, yeah. and so when I watch Zangief, Menace man, Blanc is ridiculous. Watching a high-end Zangief player and their patience is <laughs> is crazy because they don't have all them tools, but the tools they got, you feel me? They strong, you know. And so yeah, I just been watching um Lil Majin wreck shop with King, and yo, know, they gave this. I Tekken's just one of those games that like I was thinking that like man, these Street Fighter Six move lists are kind of daunting, man, because like. You got your moves. You can EX them. They get different frames and drive impact. Like, there's so much to Bro, Tekken, all the characters got 200 moves. <laughs> Literally. I'm not even joking. Like, they all have 200 moves. But one thing I learned uh, about the Tekken control scheme that really makes me kind of interested to try it out again, now that I understand it, that each of those... but It's not high lows. It's left-rights. And so if you're trying to do a combo where you go left-right, you press you know, a uh, square triangle, and that's your left, your right. And so now if you're aware of that, you can create, you know what I mean, strings of combos that might not seem um, like they go together, but they're very intuitive in that, no, I, I know I need to I need to, to kick here. You know what I mean? Like the high lows are based more on the character's animations than the button that you pressed. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's super dope, and I really like that 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 idea. Um, and it also helps with breaking throws because that was one of the biggest things I have a problem with is throw breaking. 
Fuck, it's so hard. But if you see them grab your right arm, you can break the throw by pressing the right arm button. You know what I mean? Press square. You'll you'll shake them off your 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 right arm or your triangle if you're on your other arm. Or if they grab your leg, you break with a kick. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to guess? How am I supposed to guess? Well, pay attention to what part of your body they grab. That's how you're <laughs> gonna break it. You know what I mean? And so I thought that, that was really dope once I learned that. Um, but yeah, Tekken Eight has just been such a joy to watch. Like, and the net code is really good. Um, you could watch good online plays. Not a lot of drops. Um, I'm sure that there's, that's probably a regional thing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Lil Majin's playing in, in the, the U.S. region, and so it's probably well-supported, good infrastructure. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll fix it up so that all the regions are, are getting that same efficacy. But, yeah, yo, just new characters are super dope. You know, everyone's playing, uh, Reina Hayachi's, uh, uh, number one soldier. Uh, she's a really <laughs> interesting one to, to, to watch. Kuma. Love me some Kuma. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have the bear in there. Bro, <laughs> yo, somebody was somebody was cracking jokes like, yo, people over here watching Kazuya fight Hayachi like he's look, trying to win his father's love. And we all know that he'll <laughs> never love him as much as that bear. Hayachi will never love his children as much as that bear. Bro, he taught the bear Japanese. He ain't teach none of y'all Japanese. Not not a one. Taught y'all how to take a hit. That's all he did. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, dude. Tekken eight. Definitely a, a a solid on release, you know. And and you mentioned MK one, and I'm just like, man, Mortal Kombat one, it, it it's struggling for a reason. Um, Mortal Kombat's graphics, I think, have been pretty good. Um, since Deception, you know, like I've never really had an issue with Mortal Kombat graphics. It's just I don't like the tanky play style. It's like it moves very slowly, you know. <laughs> And that's yeah. always been it's not a very fluid game and and I find that to be problematic and the strings in that game like the amount of unblockable strings you can get caught in are just it it doesn't it you could tell they put thousands of hours into developing into developing every interaction in 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 uh Tekken and in Street Fighter some of those Mortal Kombat interactions just like who the fuck thought of this and who <laughs> left this in the game <laughs> Like that don't make no sense. Like, there's one um cameo character who I think it's Cyrax, whose cameo is just completely broken and overpowered. It CCs the opponent, and it's just like it totally breaks the way the game is supposed to play. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> guys, I don't I don't know if that's a healthy uh, environment. For Get good, kind of play. dude. Get good. Get good. Yeah, pretty much. That's that. That was the the state of, of Mortal Kombat play for a little while. I was like, yo, can your Cyrax beat my Cyrax? Because if it can't. <laughs> I'm gonna throw you up, but that's not to say that Mortal Kombat One hasn't had some interesting stuff that I thought was really cool. Like Kenshin has like a a new projection body projection thing now that he puts out and it acts like a clone, and and it has various um movements more so than like the the Sub Zero clones. Um, but yeah, you know it's got some really innovative ideas. Just not really sure why they didn't fully bake the cake. You know what I mean? Like it just feels like they. They pulled the cake out and was like, it looks good. And it's like, are you sure the center of that cake is cooked? And you're like, don't worry, it's good. And I'm like, right, if you say so. <laughs> it's fucking raw. raw it's raw, dope. <laughs> but oh, yeah, dude, that's, that's the feeling I get generally from MK1. Like, maybe in the next couple patches, it'll it'll shape up. But just, you can't put out a game like that when your competitors are putting out stuff like Tekken yeah. 8 and Street Fighter 6. Yeah. It's just, it's not going to work anymore. 
There's just too many options. And people and, and nowadays people are perfectly happy with playing older games. Like I, I, I don't Especially see as fighting many games people, if the yeah, community's still there. About that. So yeah, you know, um people well, still I, play. I, actually Smash. the Street Fighter community would probably complain about that. I shouldn't say that. But um <laughs> just the casual players you know the people who actually support the the sales they're the ones who are just like i don't know man if it ain't good it ain't good like especially if the pros aren't having fun with it the casual community will just walk away the pros really do a lot to get people interested in those games man such great publicity and then technically free to them you know what i mean because the pros are just players they're consumers like everyone else for the most part and so yeah dude just the the fighting game genre i think has been probably the most innovative genre in gaming in like the last three years like in terms of like the progress that's been been made just through like the midlife um the midlife cycle from of street fighter 5 till now so much progress so much progress and you love to see it you know what i mean um especially because these are quote unquote the triple a titles of their genre still you know, innovating, still connecting to their community, still, you know, uh, uh, you know, really taking care of their product, you know, because a lot of a lot of game companies ain't taking care of their products, man. They're really not. And and I get it. I think that partially it's because the consumers will just keep consuming it. Like at some point you have to stop giving them their money for bad products or else they'll just be reified in their head to give you bad products. You know, and so there's there's a little bit of of responsibility on the consumer side, but because the fighting game community is driven by the professional community, the demands are there. You know what I mean? Like the professionals will not give you a pass for 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 flubbing a, a portion of your content. You know, and so I think that that's been super super important for why you know um the uh, the fighting game genre for most of the, the high-end games, released well, you know? Whether it's um, Grand Blue uh, Fantasy Versus. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the exact name, but there's the Grand Blue fighting game. There's DNF Duel. Um, there's just so many good fighting game franchises. Melty Blood and Guilty Gear. Gu- Guilty Gear, dude. Strive was really good. Strive had some amazing, amazing character designs and, and just really uh, well-designed uh, fight mechanics. So, yeah, you know, just the fighting game uh, genre has, has really done, done well. And that's why, I, like, I hold content creators in other genres to such a high standard because they, they are ambassadors for these companies, whether they do so officially or not. When you play someone's game for 40 hours on stream, you've become an ambassador for their game. And at some point, the content creators got to stop. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying don't stream the game at all but if you stream a game and the game is not good stop giving them so much air man because let me tell you man there's streamers who will put hundreds of hours into some terrible games and i'm just like dude you're just encouraging them to do more of this terrible terrible design and you know that is what it is um that's not to say that streamers don't stream good games they do stream good games as well but um that's usually in the indie sphere you know you see a lot of really bad AAA games get a lot of air. L- look at Diablo 4. Like, Diablo 4 is mid. It's not terrible. It is a functional game at very least. But they're not, they're not treating the Diablo players with any respect. 
The last <laughs> shit that they did on that um on, on the season change was pretty messed up in terms of uh the the monetization of that uh, uh of that um season versus what the players were getting. You know, it's like at some point y'all got to just stop. You know what I mean? Like, hey, if you guys aren't going to actually support this game like a valid live service, then you know, take your time with it, take it for what it is, and and keep it pushing because there's mad other games out there, you know? There's a lot of other games out there. But then and then you got a game like Pal World, which th- that game doing as well as it is is just it's it's I'm happy for them, but that game doesn't deserve it. The jank in that game is out of fucking control. It's out of control for a game that's doing gangbusters the way it is, you know? And so it's just unfortunate because it, it that's what helps start the race to the bottom, you know, and and so yeah, you know, I don't I don't I don't want to get too far away from the idea that fighting games are pushing pushing their genre forward, but yeah, you know, I I want to see I want to see more of the professional content, you know, help be the driving impetus behind getting the refinement in games that we want because we know that we can't just leave you know, the average corporation to to make a good game. They're just not gonna, you know? They just released that Suicide Squad game, and the shit, they launched it with servers that didn't work. Like, <laughs> holy shit, you launched your live service game with servers that didn't work. People bought the game and couldn't play it for days. Like, that's just... <sighs> There's, you know, we gotta, gotta make sure that... And, and that's one thing I do appreciate about the content creator community is, like, I don't think anyone should buy a game on launch. Hell no. The only people who I think should buy a games on launch are people who are making money off of that game. If you're not making money off that game, chill. And I'm not saying, chill, you know, indulge in spoilers or anything, but at least hear whether the game is functional before you've given them your money. You know? Because that, that shit, it, you know, these corporations only see numbers. And as long as those numbers are going up, they're going to assume what they're doing is right. And that's, yeah, that's problematic to say the least. But yeah, um, here, let's go ahead and get into some of these here topics because I know we've been running long on the what we've been into. So um, speaking of, of reviewers and, and, and how fraught that could be uh, as, as a content creator, Warner Brothers, so IGN uh, reviewed Suicide Squad that I was just talking about, and they were like, it was bad. They reviewed it honestly. You know, and a matter of fact, I fully feel like they were generous with their review for the most part. They were critical, but they didn't bash it. You know what I mean? They gave their opinion, they gave a salient critique, and they kept it pushing. So now Warner Brothers is denying them <laughs> review codes for their games, and I'm just like, is that where you guys are at with it now? Is that where you're at with it now? Because I that just guarantee makes it seem you, like it's true. What's that? That just makes it seem like it's true. It is. Oh yeah. I mean. It didn't take much for people to realize how bad that game was when they couldn't play it on launch. You know what I mean? But what's worse about it is that that puts an undue onus on the content creator community to pander to the corporations. And that's... One thing is I do understand about content creators. They'll pander. You kidding me? They, they, they are all about that. And they'll do it if that's what's required of them to get their content out. And that isn't a healthy environment where 
when I'm sitting here saying like, man, we need content creators to to reveal what these games are before people buy them, the content creators are being pigeonholed into into um into giving good reviews and uh self-censoring their critiques and bad reviews, then they've they've muddied the water of one of the few things that consumers have to keep them informed. You know what I mean? Um Hoyoverse, man. And now I'm an avid player of uh of a Hoyoverse game because I I still actively play Star Rail. But Genshin Impact, that whole uh, 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 community was in an uproar because of the the lackluster um, anniversary rewards that were given. And so the content creator community decided, hey, you know, if we're the voice of the consumers, then we got to say something about this to them. And so Hoyoverse's response was to kick them out of their content creation uh, program and, and, and censor, literally censor, delete all of their their posts on the Chinese um the Chinese uh uh social media platform. I think it's called like is it Baidu or or something of that nature. Um Baidu. <laughs> sound like Mr. Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> not, not the egg. <laughs> but um yeah they they ended up they ended up uh uh censoring the content creators. You know what I mean? And and this is something that that as a consumer we really should not abide by. We, we can't abide by censorship of the content creators because those content creators, their job is, is relatively difficult. And at the same token, their job is important for the consumers. It really is. And, and, and what makes me even more upset is like they get so much free publicity from these guys. These guys increase their outreach tenfold. You know what I mean? Like, especially in the mobile sphere, I don't fuck with no mobile games that don't have content creators that are keeping, you know, uh, uh, us informed because you obviously can't look at the ads. <laughs> the ads never match the game. You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's one of those things, man, that I, I really hope that content creators, first of all, become a little bit more professional because that will give them the leverage and the ability to organize. Right now, the content creator community, unfortunately, is very unorganized, and it's due to the lack of professional nature of how most of them carry themselves in the community. Um, it, it should, there should be some kind of content creator union or just an organized body that could help uh, counterbalance the the utter you know power that these uh big companies have over every everyone who who comes into contact with their product you know like it, it, it's an issue uh and hopefully one that that we don't see get get worse because yeah i would just hate to see the content creator community uh really get uh really get hammered by this you know and start to self-censor and do all of those things. But yeah, beyond that, you know, we had, we, there was another round of layoffs. More layoffs are hitting the industry. And, and I only mention that uh, because there, there's an aspect of that that I think that the average consumer doesn't get. And I think it's, it's partially because, at least in America, the average consumer has never produced something on a professional level 
and has never managed large groups of people in a professional setting. And so propaganda or, or, or bullshit from the corporations gets eaten up by them and they believe it. And so when there's massive layoffs after an acquisition, there's no good reason for that. The whole point that, that there's federal oversight for these acquisitions is because they particularly do not want two things to happen. They do not want bigger companies buying smaller companies to crush the competition. That's illegal. You're not supposed to do that. Instagram did that with, with, with a, uh, or Facebook got in trouble for doing that with Instagram's uh, competitors. Like, it's literally illegal. You shouldn't do that. And so when you see a big company buy a smaller company and then shelve a product, it's not for tax reasons. It's because they didn't want that product to be present next to a product that they have larger prospects with. And moreover, and so usually what they do is they'll shove the product, lay off the people. That should never happen. And moreover, they are going against their filings, at least with the SEC, when they do that for an American company. I don't know if foreign companies have that same um, uh, issue, but I know that when Microsoft buys Activision or Activision Blizzard King, I think is the, the conglomerate they purchased, and then they lay off people, that is illegal. They were not supposed to do that. And then they're not supposed to uh, 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 purchase companies that are direct competitors for their products for the same reason. And so when you see a company say, oh, we're laying off because of, of, uh, because of overlap in positions, that's fundamentally not a thing. If you've ever managed people, there is an upper limit that any individual can manage a group with based on their skill. The larger the group, the more difficult it is to manage. And so when you add in all of these people, you, you, you purchase the company, you add all of these employees, there shouldn't be overlap. And moreover, there, the project overlap isn't really a thing. Like if you buy a company and they're all working on something, there's no overlap. You can't combine those two teams. You cannot combine two video game dev teams to try to then continue a project that's been in the works for months or years. That's not how project management works. Something that has that many moving parts, you cannot do that. It's not a, it's not a functional way to manage IPs, to try to combine. Now, technical expertise is a different thing, but I'm saying that when you're talking about developers in a software development environment, even if there's skill overlap, there should not be project overlap because you should not have purchased that company with the intention of killing that project. And if that project is still in production and unreleased, at least those people's jobs based on the, uh, uh, on, on, uh, the SEC filings should be secured until said time as they finish the project. But the amount of times that we're seeing these acquisitions happen and then the project just gets shelved and then everyone gets fired is technically not supposed to happen. And that's why they oversee these things. 
you know, there's no real other reason for government to even care whether Microsoft is buying Activision King Blizzard other than they have to protect the labor force and they have to protect the market. And so, you know, all of these industry layoffs, you get, so, I hear so many content creators trying to like justify, like, you can't expect them to keep everyone. Then they should not have purchased that. That was not a purchase that should have went through. And moreover, for it to have gone through, they said that that was not the case. And so, you know, downsizing in the middle of projects is, is, is a real shitty way to, 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 to increase value during an acquisition merger. You know what I mean? And so I'm really tired of hearing people try to, to justify why all of these layoffs had to happen because they didn't have to happen. None of them had to happen. That's purely shareholder dollars being valued over the lives of people who have been dedicated to these companies, you know? And so, yeah, I just want to, I, I just want to put my, my, you know, squash that shit real quick because that doesn't, that's not how project management works. That's not how acquisitions and mergers work. You don't get to buy the competition just to kill their product, just to lay off a bunch of people so you can show, you know, a spike in, 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 uh, in revenues due to, to the fact that you just acquired their revenue. And then you fire everybody to, to lower your expenditures so that you can have better numbers on a sales report? Nah, B, that is not legitimate. It's not. You know what I mean? And in, listen, I would love to have a debate with someone who thinks otherwise. Because if, if you go to, to the NLRB, they'll say, they will tell you quick, fast that you have a case. Quick, fast. So, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, like, I don't want to see people get fooled by the rhetoric of these companies. When they fire people, it's purely out of malice. It's not out of necessity. It's out of, at, at best, it's out of apathy. And so, yeah, dude, I, you know, as we go into, you know, further into the year and we just see the, the amounts of layoffs increasing more and more, we got, you know, just be, you know, have your eyes open, you know, because especially if the content creators can't be relied upon to provide us information about these games, definitely don't think that 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 these corporations are are shepherding these 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 games into uh, a good position unless they have given you that that record in the past. You know what I mean? Like Capcom, when it comes to Street Fighter, at very least, they have a record of of keeping up with their product you know what i mean i don't see that happening with a lot of these other um studios especially not no activision blizzard you know so yeah and and microsoft i mean if you just look at what's going on with overwatch right now microsoft did not intend on keeping that game in development like they don't they don't that game that Overwatch, man, if, if they if they manage to 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 release some semblance of a game in terms of Overwatch 2, I would be very surprised. I would be very surprised, you know? And so yeah, that, that that's just to say, man, like let let's keep our eyes open to the, the industry as it um evolves because it don't look good. But um, yeah, dude, moving on from that. Oh my gosh, 
I am a huge fan of Avatar The Last Airbender, the original animated series. Mm -hmm. I fucking love that show. I think it is one of the best cartoons. I own all of the DVDs. I very much intend on having Kendrick grow up on those kind of cartoons. Like, that is just a good cartoon. It's got... Uncle Iroh the shit. Oh, Uncle Iroh is my dude. Leaves from the Vine is my jam. Yo, Zuko is one of my favorite bad guys, bro. His yeah. arc was amazing. Um, just Aang as a protagonist, the reluctant hero, loved it. Just so many really, really great uh, things about that cartoon. And it just, it pains me that they haven't managed, well, I don't really want a live action an adaptation, but the fact that they've been trying and failing just hurts. Because I would love to, even if they were to try to do something unique, like spin off of the original storyline, that I think would probably be better than what they're doing. Because boy, oh boy, they are just butchering that storyline. And so there was the M. Night Shyamalan um, uh, movie that came out that was just atrocious. Um, and now they're trying, Netflix is trying to do a series. And I don't know who in their PR team is doing is working on the marketing for this shit, but I think that they would be doing better for themselves if they just stopped talking about the show. Just stop talking about the show. Because at this point, it I'm even hard-pressed to watch the show, even if it's good, just because of the, the kind of shit that they're saying. Like, um, Sokka. Sokka is a young 15-year-old boy who starts out with a slight misogynist streak, just a mis you know, not understanding, you know, the place of women. He comes from a very patriarchal, uh, patriarchal society in a patriarchal world, and he has to grow out of it. It's part of his character arc. And they're like, man, we had to tone that down. And I'm like, <laughs> it was part was there of to the tone arc. Down? It was a cartoon. What, For, are you, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, and it was a Nickelodeon cartoon in the middle of the day. It was not risque. And it's misogyny. It was very salient. And it was something that was very relatable to a lot of kids. And what's worse is, is that the kids who related to it had a good example of how they can grow out of it. You know what I mean? It was a great example of how to mature. Um, and so the fact that they're just like, nah, we can't, we can't, we can't put that in there. But they're like, you know what we can show you is we're gonna show you the genocide of the air air temple. And I'm like, how is that? less touchy of a subject than a very typical teenage trait. Like, I'm just not sure what what points or what, what, what were they pulling from any of these things. Then they're like, you know what? We had to rush through a lot of um, Aang's uh, side adventures. And I'm like, Aang's side adventures are literally his arc. <laughs> they're literally his arc. Because... If you know the the, the main storyline is following battling the Fire Nation, but it takes Aang a ton of time to grow into that role. And so how do you cut all of that character growth out, out and keep the character? Like, it's not Aang anymore. If we don't see him, you know, start out pretending not to be able to do anything and, not, and hiding his power to, to growing into realizing that he has a role to play and there's a balance to be played between your your yourself uh you're expressing who you are as a person and also your uh what place you fit into society you know what i mean like 
there is so much there. And then for them to say, like, nah, we can't really do all of that growth stuff. We're just going to have to do the main arc. And it's like, that's the whole point of the show, my guys. Like, the whole point of the show is the growth of these characters. So I'm just like, uh, I have no interest in what they're putting forth right now. And I'm just like, I wish you guys just wouldn't have said anything. I would have rather watched it and be like, ah, this wasn't great. Then you guys just blatantly say how bad this is going to be because, geez, man, just talk about shooting yourself in the foot. It's just everything that they've said has been completely counterintuitive to what the show was was meant to be. And and you know what? Not for nothing. The writing was on the walls when the original um, creators left the project. They were on board and then they were off board. And so that says a lot. That says a lot because they were down for the idea. They were not down for the execution. And so, yeah, unfortunately, I think I'm going to pass on that one. But it really does. It really does bother me that like, man, these studios cannot get out of their own way. They can't get out of their own way because there is a completely, completely serviceable TV show right there, right there. And I'm not talking about you got to make a one-for-one adaptation. I mean, look what they did with One Piece. But then again, Oda was there. But I, I guess Oda just got that much clout, man. He got that much clout because, like, I'm pretty sure if they would have just listened to the original creators, this would have been fine. They would have been able to, to square the circle of condensing Aang's character arcs without losing all of the necessary character development that brought him from A to B to get to C. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just a real shame. It's just a real shame. And I'm personally, I, I, I personally feel a way because it's Avatar. And it's just, it's something that I have such a huge emotional tie to. And it's just like, man, oh man, man, what a disappointment. But yeah, these these studios, they're pretty dead set on on pushing an agenda. It feels like there's an agenda being pushed, and I hate saying that because, you know, you got all the the jack hats who are talking about like woke agenda, and I'm not, and that's not what I'm talking about. It's not a woke agenda. You know what I mean? It's a corporate agenda. It's a, it's it's an agenda to to condition the 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 consumer to take something that they wouldn't otherwise be willing to consume, and and I find that hugely problematic. You know, like it, it really does suck. But yeah, you know, speaking of conditioning the consumer, it's funny because I saw someone doing a breakdown of like, if you watch the the arc of how AI has been depicted in in movies and TV. It's gone from like all negative AI to now that AI is 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 and it's not even really artificial intelligence, but now that they've tacked that moniker onto something that they want to promote, all you see is positive AIs. Yeah, I mean, like all of the red, you know, we went from Ultrons to Nirmayas. You know what I mean? Uh, Did you see the creator? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you're familiar with the term Nirmaya? You know what I mean? Like you mean Nirmada? Nirmada? Yeah. Yeah, Nirmata. Um, you know, it went from, you know, genocidal uh, uh, AIs to now AIs that are going to save the world. You know, and so it, it's it's interesting. I mean, even if you look at like Matrix Four, Matrix Four was like one of the beginnings where you start seeing like the AIs are 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 humanity's friends type of thing. You know, and 
it seems like it's because they want to propagandize people to be less reticent to interacting with things produced by AI, you know? And that's, you know, that's to be expected. That's in their best interest. You know, Disney's been responsible for a lot of those productions. Um, and so it's, you know, I don't, I don't want them to utilize these, these IPs that we all have, you know, great nostalgia for to push these more modern type, you know, conditionings because it's, it's not good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't believe that there's a woke agenda in, in, in Hollywood. And, and, you know, just, I, I, I've been wanting to comment on that because I, you know, I consume a lot of critique you know, I try not to watch too much reviews on uh, on uh, on YouTube, but I consume a lot of critiques on YouTube. And let me tell you, the quality of critique has plummeted, plummeted. I'd say in the last two years, like you, it's so hard to find a channel that does decent critiques that isn't just saying, "Oh, look, too many female characters. Look at that. They forced a the female lead." And it's like, you know, I don't think that that's a genuine critique because this. One thing I've noticed is that every time there is a critique about the woke agenda in, in movies and media, you could take all of the points that they're trying to make, replace them with traditional, you know, white male actors, and those properties would still suck. It's, and it's not bad acting. I haven't seen a whole lot of terrible acting. Actually, I've seen a lot of good acting and bad scripts and bad direction, you know what I mean? And so... It can't be that they're pushing a woke agenda. These are just bad stories sometimes. Sometimes the stories are just not good. And you don't have to make up something about that. See, look, they should have never casted that that black woman in that, in that role. It's like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that that role was trash, whether it was a black woman or a white man in it. You know, like, it, it, it's such a disingenuous critique, you know? And, 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 and it sucks because... A good critique can actually help creators. You know what I mean? Directors, writers, but they now there's just a standoff. There's a standoff between you know uh, uh, the the critical industry and 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 studios to where you know where you get something like She-Hulk. That's literally them shitting on the 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 the, 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 um, the analysts because the analysts have become completely overblown with their with their uh, uh, assessment. Of, of what's going on in, in the creation room. You know, like, we need to be more reticent about the idea that they're going to use AI to start writing scripts and stuff than the fact that there's, you know, a diverse cast. Like, the idea that diversity, equity, and inclusion is the problem is crazy. And it just really shows the racism of the people who are, who are partaking, partaking in these conversations. But they're doing so and they're gaining so much traction because of the algorithmic way that, you know, uh, uh, content gets pushed to where now that people are starting to, to, to give credence to it. And it's like, no, these people are making it because anger sells or anger gets clicks. And so they are not making it out of a genuine critique. They're making it because people keep clicking on it and consuming it. And it's an easy way for them to generate uh, 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 views without having to put any thought into what they're doing, you know? And so, yeah, it's just, I've seen a serious deterioration in the online critical community. And it, and it sucks because there was a space 
where there was some really good uh, uh, content being created around, you know, uh, uh, you know, like Screen Crush and 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 uh, uh, what's the other one? The Screen Rant. There's a lot of of of, of um, content creators that were making good analysis type stuff. And now they're just, they've either gone in the way of like, everything is in a, what is it called? Toxic positivity, where they just will not critique anything that the studio does, or they blame everything on, uh, they shouldn't have added that female actor. And it's just like, you know, guys, yes, I'm sure that you're getting more traction this way, but it's because it's mostly children who are clicking on this stuff and, and feeding into the outrage engine. Like, this is not genuinely creative content that's being put out you know it's 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 derivative it's 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 um grievance politics type stuff and it's 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 really like not in the best interest of anyone for the for the uh for the industry to to keep on ingratiating that you know but needless to say that's uh probably gonna fall on deaf ears i mean there's no way to stop this ball from rolling in the direction that it is because there's so few people willing to just abstain from things, you know? Like, I listen, if, if I don't like a, a someone's critical analysis of a movie, I just won't consume their content, you know what I mean? But a lot of people would rather change their opinion of something to match what the content creator is saying than actually think for themselves and be critical of the content creator, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... People want to consume too much for, I think, this ball to roll in any other direction than where it's going. And that sucks. That sucks. Because, you know, once again, all it does is it makes it harder to find the good stuff. You know, because it's not like good stuff don't exist. I never want to give that impression. But what it does is it just floods the industry with with, with the crap. And then you gotta, you really got to hunt hard for, for anything that's of any kind of value, you know? But, you know, that's not not to say I want to be a lazy consumer, <laughs> but there's a lot of noise out there and there's a limited amount of time. You know, there, there is far more ability to make noise than to make than than any individual can have to sift through it. And that's why it's effective. That's why the noise engine is effective, you know. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that I've just been having a hard time with with the entertainment industry whether it's video games or movies or even books, dude, it's so hard to get a decent book critique. It was funny because this chick went viral for complaining about bad reviews on her book. And I'm just like, your book was bad, dog. Like you, you we can't, we can't become a society that, that, that validates hard work, even when it's bad. That's not, a, I don't think that that's a good way you know what I mean? If someone works hard at producing something that is not palatable, I don't think that we should be giving them passes in our critique to say that, well, they worked really hard at it. Well, you know, a lot of people work hard at a lot of things. You know what I mean? Not everyone's getting accolades for it. And so let, let's not go out of our way to give these people bad feedback, which is only going to encourage them to, once again, start the race to the bottom because they're getting positive feedback on their bad bad work you know we we, we got to move away from that you know because every section of consumer industry is getting pushed in that direction and and it really it really does suck but yeah uh moving on from that dude you know it's funny i brought up that uh dude z ai before in the past that um that uh was making the comedy sketches 
Mm-hmm. Now, it was funny because it came out recently. They got sued by George Carlin's um by George Carlin's estate. I'm pretty sure they're going to be okay though. But um but in the process of of um revelation of of what's been going on there, it looks like the AI isn't actually generating the jokes. The AI is just generating the voice. Actually, one of the co-creators is writing the jokes. And so that's why I think that they're probably going to end up, they're going to be able to rebuff this lawsuit against them because if they, if the, the, because I, I'm pretty sure that uh, the voice of George Carlin isn't, isn't uh, under any kind of trademark or patent or anything like that. Like, the voice of George Carlin could be reproduced and it would just be considered impressionism. Um, but it would be, if you were be creating a data set out of George Carlin's shows and that data set made of his shows was exclusively being run in the AI program to make the jokes, then you would be stealing from him because that was his material that he produced and he owns and and it would be it would be a violation of 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 his work to to do that but if it's a dude who's just writing jokes and using an ai generated george carlin voice to to voice over it that's actually i think well within the uh the purview of what a comedian's allowed to do and moreover not for nothing i actually that's when I originally brought it up, I was like, you know, that would be m- my preferred use case for for AI. You know, if you want to use it to generate funny voices, fine. But use it as a tool. Don't use it to create something that is derivative of other people's art, you know? And so, yeah, not for nothing. Um, free dudesy, yo. Free dudesy. Let, <coughs> let, let, let them live, yo. Um... I feel like there's been a lot of litigious stuff lately about like trying to attack creators who use AI as a tool, and that I I think that that's a that that fight I don't don't think is going to go very far at all. Um, and also I always talk about this is that you know it takes the breath away from the real arguments that need to be had about AI. We, you know. I, I never want to see AI used as a corporate tool. I don't mind seeing AI used as a artist tool. You know? That that's the I, I feel like there is a there needs to be a clearly delineated separation legally between individuals using AI as a uh as an uh, a tool and corporations using AI to replace labor. That's not it's not the same thing. You know, I really don't want to see the you know I I don't want to see corporations get treated as people in this way. The way that they get to to vote and do all of those kind of things and and spend uh money in the political spectrum. I don't want to see that corporations get that right that would be hugely problematic i think um but i don't know how you legally uh separate those two things you know um and if 
and then runs the question at it. If there is no way to legally separate those two things, then do we want to run the risk of giving that tool to artists? You know, you it, when it comes to tools, the tool maker does have some some say in how it's distributed, and so. I hope that people or the engineers, the software engineers who create these AIs, which I know that this is probably a, a bridge too far for them, but have some kind of ethical bearing to them when they decide how and who they create these AIs for. Because let me tell you, man, the only people who have the money really to make these kind of things are corporations. And so that puts the software engineers into a odd position to where the only the only outlet for this kind of development is an unethical one you know and 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 you know only under capitalism could you could you manage to put you know every industry into that moral quandary you know and and it and it's one of those things that i really really i wait with bated breath you know because Wishful thinking doesn't get you very far in this world in real life. And expecting corporations to do, quote unquote, the right thing. Yeah. Don't hold your breath. It will only result in you turning blue in the face. And so, yeah, you know, uh, I think, you know, what? We'll, we'll go ahead. We'll wrap up on that. We're going to hit the heavy news topics this weekend because, boy, oh, boy, the news was fucking... Yeah, it was depressing, man. From doctors claiming that they that they give worse. Yeah, there's a Zionist doctor who was recorded saying that he doesn't perform surgeries on Muslim patients like effectively. Like he won't do it. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, wait, has he actually worked on Muslim patients before? To uh, Kaiser Permanente being targeted in uh, in East Oakland because they've they've gentrified neighborhoods that are reeling under the fact that they have a hospital in their neighborhood that they can't even patronize because that's the worst thing seeing a Kaiser Permanente pop up in the hood. None of those people in the hood are really patronizing that that Kaiser Permanente because Kaiser Permanente is a insurance company. So unless you're part of their insurance plan, you don't get to go there for medical assistance. And so it's 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 a really, really fraught situation there right now. And it's like, yeah, dude, there's just bad news all around from the medical industry. People in East Palestine, Ohio, just reeling still from the chemical spill. You know, the kids are 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 sick at a rate that's unbelievable. You know, and and so yeah. It, the news has has not been too hot, and unfortunately, a lot of it's been centered around um, bad things happening in the uh, medical industry. So it's a little preview of what we'll hit up this weekend. But uh, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. If you did, please feel free to subscribe. You could find us on Anchor.fm or on Patreon.com. You could also find us on social media at uh, on Twitter at Korea underscore T and at Home Heron. You could also find us on Instagram at Heron's Home Podcast and at Heron's Homies. And you can find me on Instagram at RicoGVO. And always remember, guys, time's only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your, from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly will learn from. Thanks again for joining us, and have a great one. Peace out. Take it easy.